Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. I'm Sarah Blakemore. Coming up on the Gifted Life today. We're going to have a raw and real conversation about donation and transplantation with Heather Thompson. Holla. She's a former Real Housewives of New York. And we're also going to talk about how to do a mental strengthening exercise. All that and more on this episode of The Gifted Life. Here on the Gifted Life podcast, we are so excited to introduce Heather Thompson. Hey, ma'am. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. We uh, know the name, and I think Sarah almost screamed a little. Mm, I she, screamed. She was trying <laughs> to behave here. Uh, so how do we know Heather, Sarah? Okay, so Heather is a Real Housewives of New York. Heather Holla Thompson. We are so excited to have you. I am a personal fan, so, and I know your story well, so I'm so excited for our listeners to hear your inspiring story. Thank you. She's blushing right now, Heather. Um, but um, I don't know what you you don't do because you do so many things. Fashion designer, philanthropist, you're a mom. Um, and you're a mom of a son named Jax that we hear a lot about um, on the show, on TV, on YouTube, if you just do... Um, um, a Google search, and we know that you have a tie to donation. And so what touched our heart is that you use your status and you use your celebrity uh, to get people talking about donation that normally wouldn't talk about donation. And we just think like, wow, that is so amazing. But we wanted to get to know you a little bit more other than what you can Google mm-hmm. um, and you and your son and how that really impacted your family, if you don't mind sharing. Oh, not at all. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, the journey with Jax um, was not your average journey. And I think that we are, um, unfortunately, I think sometimes we're told like, you know, that life is is good and rosy and, you know, you're going to get married and have a baby and live happily, happily ever after. And life is not like that. And my, my situation with Jax was a pure example of what, uh, what's supposed to be one of the most joyful moments in your life, turning into the most terrifying moment of your life. And that is not knowing if your kid is going to live or not. Like I still get choked up over it. So apologize for that. But, you know, I just, any mother or father or parent who has gone through, you know, God forbid the loss of a child for almost losing a child, it is forever life-changing. And so with organ donation, if you can give someone a shot at life, how could you not do that? And that was really the message. And I can't believe I'm bawling my eyes out on your <laughs> Well, I love it because you're on TV and you see this persona, but then this is real life. Like this is well, your yeah. kid. And, and yeah. On you know, we did try to show that on the show. And the bottom line is it was a simple message to answer your question and come around. I'm, you know, I haven't talked about Jackson a while, you know, he's 16 now. And, you know, we showed our struggles on the show, you know, some years ago. So I'm a little bit out of practice with um, controlling my, my tears and my emotion. But when you talk about organ donation, it is the most bittersweet conversation you can have because at the end of saving life, On the other end, there's been a loss of life in many cases. And so how do you balance that? And so my work on the housewives and 
why I decided to do the housewives was checking those boxes of opportunity. And the opportunity was to give a platform to organ donation and lend a story that could potentially make someone feel looking in at home that they are not alone. I love that. And I love when, uh, People text us that know that we work in the donation world and they'll text and say, did you hear her talking about this or, or did you see this? So, you know, it's reaching people that it wouldn't normally reach the message. So we certainly appreciate that. Um, if you could take us back, we know Jax is 16 now, which is an incredible journey. Um, but kind of walk us through uh, when you got that diagnosis and kind of what life was like. Well, I, I would say that it crumbled around me. And, uh, you know, Jax was, Jax had a condition called biliary atresia, which for people who are involved in liver um, issues, they would know it probably or maybe not because it's kind of rare. But in the liver uh, donation area, we hear it. And biliary atresia is a, it's not a genetic um, mutation. It's a, either a malfunction, they know very little about it, um, where this biliary tree doesn't form around the liver. So the liver winds up corroding itself. So Jax, when he was born, he had an upper respiratory infection. Later, we found out it was the liver the liver that he needed to actually have replaced. Um, so we're talking, he's a six-month-old baby. So when he has his liver transplant. So when Jax is about three months old, um, we find out that, you know, we're on the waiting list for a liver transplant and we are devastated to think that we're going to have to go through this surgery, but we are in such amazing care with our doctor, Dr. Sucre Emery, your doctor matters. You need someone who can hold your hand through this process and, um, know what they're doing. And there's oftentimes with organ donation that, the, the, the match is, um, you know, not right for you, but right for someone else. And it's a, it's a finite process. And so you're learning all these things at the time that your baby is like dying and you're like, fine is absorbital. So to be honest with you and answer your question, I was in a fog a lot of the time. Um, it was when Jax got better, when Jax, when Jax was on the road to recovery, you know, we got the call that we had uh, a liver and that Jax was going to have the shot at life because of the amazing selfless donation of another, that's when everything kicked into kind of like clarity for me when it came to organ donation and what we had just been through. So I was an organ donor when I got my license at 16 years old. And they turned over the back and said, do you wanna be an organ donor if something happens to you? For me, it was a very easy decision, of course. If I die, I don't need my organs in heaven, I'll leave them here for someone who does easy decision. Never in a million years did it cross my mind that I would be on the receiving end. What was that time frame of waiting, uh, you know, between the time that you find out biliary atresia? And of course, there's no Google back then, or, you know, it wasn't big, you know, very difficult to find out things back then. Uh, to the time, if you can walk us through when you actually had the, the phone call that he needs to be in the hospital because he has a match. So that was a night I will never forget as long as I live. And um, I should have taken some sort of like, don't actors take an anti-cry pill with emotional <laughs> Like, I feel like I, I'm totally out of practice. You guys are bringing up such emotion. So the day was unbelievably emotional. Um, Jax had been sick. He had a cold. And when you have any type of illness at all, a sniffly cold, you are not on the organ donor waiting list. You get removed from the list for someone who's totally healthy to receive this gift. So Jax hadn't been on the list for a few weeks. And um, 
the truth of the matter is that it was Memorial Day weekend, which is a very busy weekend, and a lot of accidents happen on holiday weekends. And that is just a pure, uh, unadulterated fact. And uh, my doctor was anxious to get Jax on the waiting list because he was dire. And he was, you know, at the top of the waiting list. So we removed him from the top and, you know, he was in need of this transplant. So we went to infectious disease and sure enough, Jax was cleared of the cold. There There were no antibodies and he was cleared to go back on the list that weekend. It was in fact that fateful weekend we got the call. <laughs> so difficult. Sorry. So our story is this that on the other end of that phone call was a family getting a call that their son had been in an accident. And that family, I'm so sorry. You're doing a great job. It's real, yeah. The family that uh, was on the other end of that phone call was the Blair family, a family who actually worked in the field of organ donation. Um, The two parents of Donald Blair, who was um, in an accident in New York City that night, and his liver is the liver that saved my son's life. Um, They worked in organ donation. She was a nurse and her husband, and she both worked in organ donation, And so it wasn't even a question uh, when their son was um, killed in an accident, what they would do. Um, It was just an incredible experience in um, Donald Blair's death. He was 25 years old. He was, um, he touched 50 lives. His liver went to a mother of four who I shared the waiting room with her, her husband. Um, the other side of his liver, the liver gets divided into two lobes, went to my son, Jax, at three months old. His heart went to a lawyer in New York City. I could go on and on. And we just celebrate him and we never forget him. And, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, what to do after that is different for everybody. There's no right or wrong. I want people to understand, you know, I felt it was very important to write, uh, you know, organ donation is anonymous. Um, I hope we all know and understand that the people who need it the most are at the top of the list and that's just the way it goes. And, uh, organs are, you know, taken by those who have agreed to have their organs taken. And it's a very, um, exceptional process. Let's just say that. So, we decided to write a letter to the family, although it's anonymous, and we did receive a letter back from the Blair family um, about four or five months later. And it was a long letter, and it told us all about Don. And we shared pictures of Jax. And to this day, we've never met as a family. It's just never gotten to that point. Um, but the work that I do in organ donation is 100% in honor of Donald Blair and his family listening to you tell your story you know everyone in the we're all very touched right now and just hearing um how 16 years later this still impacts you and you still feel all of those same feelings tell us about as a caregiver what it's like how you've gotten through yourself how you've coped how you've you and your family have gotten through this to be in a mentally strong place yeah, well, we thank you. And 
you know, like I said, I'm a, a little bit out of practice talking about it, but it does 100% feel the same way. It's as bitter sweet as the day it happened. You know, time goes on, but you know, you when you when you experience something like that, it just it stays with you. And I would say can you repeat your question, you guys? I'm so sorry. That's okay. Saying, how did y'all get through it? So what were some of the coping skills oh, you've yes. learned along the way? <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. okay. <laughs> I'm all, now I'm going through menopause too, so I'm foggy. <laughs> I'm emotional and foggy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So the coping skills were, um, first and foremost, I want to credit one of our doctors early on who pulled ja- Jonathan, my husband and I aside and said, I have seen we were a very happily married young couple. We got pregnant a year after we got married. Uh, Jax was, you know, a joy and we were so excited as any new, um, you know, newlywed parents are. And he said when, when Jax was ill, um, he, he pulled us aside and said, I've seen this tear apart too many people. You know, you've got to stay, you've got to work together. You've got to give each other kindness and space and tolerance and, you know, things like this. And we went through all kinds of emotion of blame and trying to figure out why did this happen and, you know, all that stuff. And the one thing that's true, and my husband and I are both very spiritual people. My husband is Jewish. I raised my kids Jewish. I don't really spend a lot of time other than the high holidays in the temple, like really as a churchgoer for organized religion. So I want to be clear about that. But my faith, my faith held me and held John strong together through and the support of the communities that also leaned into the faith of prayer and leaning into giving someone support when they have no idea it's there. I really believe in that energy. I really believe in the universe when it comes to that sort of thing. So you can't think of the person that's going through these troubles. You can't put them in your words, put them in your voices at home as much as you possibly can. So I think the support of our friends and family and strangers and the support of our doctors and our faith and our continued support of one another um, is what brought us through. And allowing the space to be angry, to, you know, and, and crying and being afraid and fearful, but also having a doctor that said, your worst worry, your biggest concern, I got your back. I got this. Because one of the things that I want people to know is with the work that I did with my partner, Samantha Schieber in the Kellner Pediatric Liver Foundation, which was a foundation that we started after our sons, um, it's not active right at the moment. Uh, Dr. Emery has retired, but we saved a lot of babies in countries where, you know, needing an organ is a death sentence. There is no transplant surgery. It doesn't exist here in, in America, here in the United States, we are excelling at rapid rates of successes of organ transplants. So it truly is giving the gift of life. I mean, Jack's thank God had his story is he had one transplant, one transplant stuck 16 years later, he is growing strong. And, you know, I have the Blair family to be indebted to for the rest of our lives for being um, selfless people and understanding in the gift of organ donation and how it truly does save people's lives. And Jax is a great kid and he's popular and he loves life and he's got a lot to give. So we, we need them here. And I appreciate, um, I appreciate that gift so deeply. Yeah. And listening to your story and some of the emotions you're expressing, um, 
my family, my brother was a liver donor as well. And so it, what you're saying resonates and some of the things my mother experienced as well. And I think you're right in terms of connection and telling stories. This is the only way that we can make a difference is to tell our stories. And I think it's so powerful with you at this platform to reach people and to not be afraid to tell your story as painful as it is. And so I commend you and thank you for sharing Jack's with us. Oh my God, it's my pleasure. And yeah, it's, it's, um, it's real and it is, it is real and people's pain are, is real. And I think that oftentimes as women too, I will say that we, you know, have to bury it and be strong men too. I, I'm just going to say it just generally speaking, like we always have to be strong all the time. And, you know, there are times when you have to look, look for help, ask for help, seek help. And it is there. The world is full of so much love and your family is a perfect example of it, as is the Blair family and as is my family paying it forward. And we need to lean into more of those stories and more of that stuff that's happening right now. And I think it's a perfect time, you know, to bring it back up. And Jax is 16 now and has a voice. And, you know, when he was little, he didn't really have much of a choice to talk about organ donation. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now the work that he does is the work that he'll continue to do on his own. And, you know, it's quite remarkable what we can do when we lean in together. So, and I was able to use the platform of a show that, you know, has a very toxic reputation (laughs) um, for good. And And I was able to reach people and I did, and I did reach people. And for sure, just so everybody listening who cares about this cause, I got countless, countless uh, emails and text messages and DMs on social media of people who had signed the back of their license, who had told their families that it was their wish, who didn't really understand it, didn't have much information about it. So I am here at I am Heather T on my social media. If you ever have any questions, I've done work with Donate Life. I've educated myself even more. You know, these are sensitive subject areas and we have to make sure that we're um, nurturing everybody in the situation. And so my pain is real. Uh, The struggle that we went through almost losing our child is real. Uh, The incredible pain on the opposite side of the gift that we received is incredibly real. And what, what heals that, what connects it is love. And that's what I like to try to show. And if we can just lean into that a little bit more, and if giving the gift of life and your death is signing the back of your license you have no idea how you pay it forward. And, you know, it's the soul that lives forever, right? <laughs> so <laughs> what a good soul that one is that's a, an organ donor. I love it. I love it. We have a, a liver and kidney recipient here who knew that you were coming on the show. And she goes, oh, my God, I love her, which I'm sure you get all the time. Um, <laughs> oh, but she said she's a fighter. She's real. She's super mom. She does all these things. And she goes, actually, I messaged her. You mentioned social media on June 2nd. Uh, <laughs> and then she told me the time. And then she said, I just told her. I mean, I just felt like I connected with her. And I told her my transplant story. I told her what I do with Lopa. And she responded. <laughs> and she kept that. It's like a badge of honor. And so she said, it to me last night because she knew we were going to be talking to you. And she goes, um, she said, love your story. Amazing. Two exclamation points. Love your strength. Keep giving. Keep living. Keep loving. And um, and she said, I just I just love her. Like she connects with me. And so I just thought that was so sweet um, that you're reaching all of these people, um, even, you know, down south here in Louisiana. Oh, and what a poignant segue to love. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that she feels it. And I'm glad that she reached out. 
And I am so grateful to the work that you all are doing and, you know, keeping the messaging out there, keeping the stories going. And we're happy to come back. We're happy to answer any questions you need. And um, we really appreciate we really appreciate this time. Oh, good. Tell us a little bit about your podcast before we go. In my heart, uh, you, you do <sighs> donation uh, on there, I'm sure. Yeah. So in my heart um, is a, one of my favorite things. That's my podcast. It's a new project I started about a year ago. And it's a podcast that brings conversations that I have with the people that I'm fortunate enough to cross path with or get introduced to, or just know in my life as friends that inspire me or do great work that I can share using my platform. So for sure, organ donation and the work that happens and the, and the surgeons and all that kind of stuff would be a topic on there as is parenting and friendships and, you know, a little bit of uh, history from the housewives and all kinds of stuff um, that's on there. I have a doctor nutritionist on um, that I'm interviewing after I get off of your podcast. And so uh, please tune into In My Heart. There's a great, uh, great place for conversations there. And you can even ask questions about people, you, things you'd like to know more about. And I get it. I get into that with, uh, with my whole heart, too. So, um, yeah, I love that. That's In My Heart. And um, tune on in, subscribe and listen. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I love it. We love how you, you live out loud um, and, and you carry a heart for donation. So we appreciate you. Thanks for the visit. Thank you for having me so much. Here on The Gifted Life, we're taking a moment for mental health. Yeah, mental health. I'm curious about this. I love CrossFit, of course. So I hear mm-hmm. she's going to be talking about CrossFit for your mind. What's going on with <laughs> yes, that? Yes, we are going to do a mental strengthening exercise. Right. I feel so, like I've already failed. Mind like, squats. <laughs> mind squats, yes. <laughs> so full disclosure, I am on TikTok and I follow a bunch of mental health professionals. Oh, so. well, that's where I get my scoop. <laughs> <laughs> So I follow this one psychologist who he was doing an interview and somebody asked him, what's a quick one minute mental strengthening exercise anyone can do? And I loved his answer. And it was sit down, write all the things out that are worrying you and cross out the things that you can't control. Wow, that's going to take longer than a minute. <laughs> I only have one minute. List 10 things. List oh, 10, 10 things, things that okay. worry 10 you things. Okay. Right, and cross out the 10. things you can't control. I mean, that's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Tackle the ones you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think did what, you do it? I did it, and it really I felt just like a burden lift. A so little was it like bit. half your list was gone? Yes. Yeah. Yes. There was like I would say almost five to six things on my list just immediately crossed off, and I think it's just a really good lesson of focus on what you can control first of all, but also know that it's okay to be stressed out about things that you can't. Just recognizing you can't control everything that worries you, it felt oh I felt very lightened. And I did have this like sense of power. Yeah. And sometimes you can get overwhelmed, like uh, kids' schedules and all, all these things. And without having them on a list, it seems like there's so many. And then mm. we start tackling them. You're like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. It was just mm-hmm. the anxiety of I have all these things to do that haven't gotten done yet. Yes. And writing things down is so powerful. Like if you have things that are worrying you, if you're stressed out, you know, there's an exercise about if you are you can't get your mind to stop before you go to sleep. Just write down what's on your mind so you can lift the burden. It's, so it's two parts. I write. I actually use my phone. Of course, mm-hmm. my phone's always next to me. 
So my mind's always racing or mm-hmm. my baby's always racing one of the two. So I'm <laughs> up a lot at night and I'll grab my phone. I'll start thinking about something. I grab my phone and write a little list, Yep. you know, for the next day or I'll put, put a little reminder. I'm yep. a big calendar girl. Like, okay, I'm going to put that on for Friday. Like yeah. I'm going to tackle that on, yes. <laughs> on Friday. I yeah, think well, writing I, it out and then recognizing what you can and can't control is really powerful. Yeah. And it, it will strengthen and make you feel more empowered. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's amazing though, just be, uh, being able to organize your thoughts like that, mm-hmm. and and being able to put it on paper, organize, and then you kind of then I put it off, then it's out of my mind right. for a little while, and you can concentrate I know on Siri's going to remind me on yeah. Friday. That's at right. 9 yes, <laughs> you you're know? organizing yeah. when you can give space to this mentally, because I think a lot of times people feel out of control with what they can have space in their minds for, because there's so much going on. If you have kids, family, school, work. It's overwhelming. So writing it out on a list, crossing off what you can control, and then maybe orga- going a step further and like you're doing, put it on the calendar for when you can give it space and yeah. time and energy. No, I have multiple good. calendars. I should probably, you know, work on that. But <laughs> a family calendar for like doctors appointments and things like that. It's funny now that I, I think about it, but I mm-hmm. like the list. You need, you need the color thing. I use the color thing on, on my, my smartphone. Different uh, like color, color for code, family. What it is. Yeah, yeah. for family I is, do that too. is a color. For work is a color. For yeah. calls a color. Oh, I think you just got an A. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do that too. Good job, Joe. <laughs> All right, maybe you have a topic you'd like Sarah to cover. Email us info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment, do celebrities have more opportunities to get preference to get a transplant? What you got, Joey? Well, Sarah, it's it's funny that you, uh, this is the question of the day because I get that quite often throughout my twenty years. I've gotten that from family, friends, you know, and people mm-hmm. who, who find out what I do, and that's a really easy answer for me because when when UNOS United Network of Organ Sharing, uh, they, they of course they generate the 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 match. Mm-hmm. We we put in information from the donor, age, size, blood type, and a couple other things. Uh, then then the recipients pop up based on how sick they are and geography. Mm-hmm. In general, that's the two main things that, that will uh, separate people. And there's no star on the side of one that's mm-hmm. sick or maybe one that's less sick down the way that says, okay, this one's got a star, let's bump this one up. Mm-hmm. We can't even decide to jump the list. Uh, it's It's... It's only a very few occasions that we can even move from exactly number one to number two to number three. And, and those situations are really extraordinary, mm-hmm. like 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 the hurricane that just hit Louisiana, you know, and we had to expedite the case. You know, obviously we couldn't send uh, a liver out to, you know, multiple states over when it's coming. Right. Right. You know, things like that will allow us, uh, you know, some leeway. But that's it. Like you really can't jump the list. You have to send a letter. UNOS basically has a, a group of individuals that are responsible for evaluating any letter that you send in to see its legitimacy. And if it doesn't cross all their uh, T's and dot all their I's, they'll send you a lot more work to do to explain yourself. And it has to obviously make perfect sense. And your name doesn't matter. Name doesn't <laughs> matter. Stardom doesn't matter. Right. Nothing, nothing else really matters. It's just how sick you are mm-hmm. and geography. So it's just all about science. <laughs> we got that uh, question just yesterday, so um, it's out there. We're glad to have this question, and um, there you go. There's the answer. If you have a question you'd like to give us here at The Gifted Life, call us, 
In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Christy Melanson. And we learn about Christy through a poem that her one and only sister, Michelle, wrote for Christy's 21st birthday. Christy, you're my one and only little sis. Not a day goes by, you are not truly missed. We always had our most genuine connection through our ups, downs, each and every direction. I can still hear you laugh as I remember your cute grin. You knew you would get it as I'd always give in. There are no regrets with our past as I remember and pray only our cherished memories we had each and every day. I miss our talks one-on-one and by phone. It is now hard to connect as I feel so incredibly alone. But I know you are still listening as I always talk to you. You're with me, my special angel, in almost everything I do. So happy birthday, sweet Christy. You are finally 21. You've received your extraordinary gift as your journey's just begun. Enjoy the heavenly times you will celebrate way up there. Dreams we could not begin to imagine, even if we dare. I will try to take comfort knowing you're in a far better place. Time can't take our moments. Special memories will not erase. You are my very special angel, my little sister, my friend. God knows my heart is with you, Christy. Until we meet again. If you would like to read more about Christy, please visit our Heroes page at lopa.org. And now we take a moment of silence to honor Christy, a hero. And that will do it for episode 172 of The Gifted Life. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, you can always register as an organ, tissue, and eye donor anytime. Registerme.org. Yeah, and a huge thanks to Heather Thompson. I, I can honestly say she's got one more fan mm-hmm. after this. Oh, she was so she, great. Oh, sharing her story. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you just see her on the show, and she's so strong. But to see her be strong in a different way with her vulnerability and the rawness of her experience through donation, I think that's going to be a huge message. Yeah. Just that she uses her status to help mm-hmm. promote donation. I mean, it's huge. She's the star in my book. All right. The best place to find us, guys, is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. You can listen to any of our episodes on our website or on Apple, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. If you do listen on Apple, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe so that others can find the podcast. On social, you can like our page on Facebook, The Gifted Life Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Insta at Gifted Life Pod. Thanks for listening, guys. Our ask is that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. We're one big team. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>